Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. The voice of massive magic fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans. Episode, we're calling this one 13.5. What's going on, everybody? Hey. Yo. What's up? So uh, real quick, we'll jump into the roll call, and then we're going to go over... um, a lot of topics. We're going to talk today about our mid-season review. On today's podcast, we are recording virtually um, for this mid-season review. But um, roll call, Justin. Yo. Al. Yo. Elise. And myself, Anthony. And uh, so I'm pretty excited to talk about the mid-season. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of good, a lot of bad, and a lot of in the middle. Um, but let's jump into the numbers. So currently right now, our record is 21 and 24. This time last year, uh, we were 19 and 26. Currently seventh in the East, we're 1.5 games ahead of Brooklyn and about four games ahead of Detroit. Um, our team stat leaders right now, Nikola Vucevic, 19 points per game, Fournier, 18.9, and Terrence Ross off the bench, 13.7 points per game. Not too bad. Rebound leaders, Vucevic with 11.1, Gordon, 7.2 rebounds, Isaac, who were missing desperately, 6.9 rebounds per game. Assists being led by Augustine with 4.7 assists per game. Fultz, 4.6 assists per game. And there are three-point shooting percentage. Justin, you're going to like this a lot. Fournier leading the way with 40.6. And then Nikola Vucevic coming in second with 36.9%. And then, obviously, Augustine right behind that with 34.6 shooting from the three-point line. Um, what surprises any of you about, about those numbers? Anything that jump out to you? Vucevic being our second leader in three-point percentage. For sure. I did not expect that. Yeah, I didn't expect season. that either. Is that, and is I that, think that's a sad stat. Yeah, is that a problem that your center is second on the team in three-point percentage? Well, I don't like, think I, so. Why not? I mean, yeah, why not? But also 36.9% is above the league average, right? So he's going to be on the top of a lot of teams' lists. Um, so I think that's just that's just showing that DJ and and uh, and Fultz are getting Vucevic in the right position to to make those you know take those open threes, uh, and again he's he's shooting higher than most NBA players, so uh, it's not strange. I was actually surprised not to see Terrence Ross in the top three. I mean, obviously Terrence Ross is more of a volume shooter compared to the other three. Evan Fournier throws uh, about a really good number out there, so it's good to see that he's above the forty percent. But uh, definitely Vucevic, 36.9. I still find that crazy. I think it's a testament to today's NBA. That's, that's what the big guys are supposed to do, especially in our team. We need a big guy that spreads the floor. Um, because, again, we have Markel out there. We have Isaac out there when he's healthy. Uh, Gordon, guys that are not known to, to be three-point shooters just yet. So we got to have Vucevic playing that role. So in our team, it's normal. Uh, I'm not sure if in another team that would be the norm. But we'll take it for sure. I think it's actually really sad. Um, I think I sent you guys a link about the decline of the big man that ESPN's putting on right now on YouTube. It's very sad that our big man, who isn't a three-point shooter, is leading us. Sec- is, le- is our second leader in three-point shots. Like, that's very sad because that's not his skill set. His skill set is back to the basket, um, mid-post, and then rebound, putbacks. We're not putting him in positions where he's more dominant at. So you're We're saying – 
so are you arguing that Vooch is shooting that high of a percentage because he's forced to play that role, Correct. not necessarily because he should be playing that role? Correct. Like, he's dominant inside. He's a solid double-double inside. He's solid double-double from free throw line down. We're putting him in a position where he's not going to be successful because now he's going to be sprinting back. He's a first-line of defense on defense. Guys, that's not his strength. Nope. <laughs> and what do we see yesterday? Blow right back to the basket a lot because we're putting him in a position where he's not successful. I've always said that I really want to see how well he does when he's not our first scoring option. Like you, you, you want him to play a certain role, but he's kind of forced to play outside of that because he's really our best chance at winning by really running the offense through him. And offensively, he's right now our best offensive player. He has been for the longest time. Mm-hmm. But, and he can do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, seventh in the East. Um, obviously, there was a lot of expectations since last season. Um, I expected for us to be – um, way higher in in the Eastern Conference. Um, but for you guys, has it been what you expected? Seventh in the seed? Seventh seed in the East? Uh, no. Uh, I think we all can agree to that. I think we all expected this team to be uh, somewhere in the fifth, fourth, worst case scenario, sixth seed in the East. Um, so in, to that degree, I would say I don't, I don't, it's not what I expected. However, if we take into account what's happened so far this season, the injuries, um, you know, everything that's happened to our team, everything's been pretty much bad so far from a health standpoint, I'll take it. But going back to October and September, not what I expected from us. So I would say my first article I wrote for the Zone BB was about the season preview. And the um, heading was, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And for the Christmas break, I call it the holiday season break, I predicted that the Magic would go 15 and 10. Once again, I am a homer, so I'm going to always <laughs> bet the over. Right now, we are 10 and around 13 during this time. We have a couple more days. So I guess I was kind of close, but not really. Um, I did think that this would be the toughest part of the season for us just because that longest road trip and we played some juggernauts back to back to back. But, I mean, some of those losses, like, to Atlanta hurt I had us that was a shoe win that we should have had so we lost some games that we definitely should have won and a lot of it comes down to turnovers and shooting I agree I think coming into the season everybody expected this you know crazy takeoff uh it was funny today like I had 2k on for a little bit and even the commentators in 2k said you know the magic were trying to convince everyone during the off season that this season was going to be different that this season Mm -hmm. they were going to you know be you know do all of these things and um, and that's not what we're seeing. So it was like I think they said something like, "Now nah, they're they're not even convincing themselves" or something like that. Uh, and two K is way too real. Yes, <laughs> so, they're so getting after, too good. Right. Yeah. So after after my feelings were hurt. No, I'm just kidding. After hearing that, I was like, "Wow, that's a pretty accurate description of what's going on." Um, I don't. But the thing is, I don't think we're missing the mark by all that much, uh, realistically, because. Say you, you had them at, what, 15 and 10? They're 10 and 13. Mm-hmm. So that's a three-game difference. You know, if, if the Magic were 500 right now, halfway through January, we wouldn't say that they were failing. It's about controlling the narrative. When you say, I'm going to play so well that I'm going to amaze people and I'm going to do better than they expect, and when they, don't, when they don't see that, now automatically you're the topic of conversation. Is it fair to say that 
we're not at what we expect it to be due to the amount of injuries that we've had to fight through? Maybe. Um, only thing I, I, that comes to mind is even when we were healthy and we had Isaac out there, we were not looking really good. Uh, we were having some struggles. Um, the same issues we're having right now. We couldn't make a shot. We couldn't hit a three. Uh, and the defense, was, the defense was great. So some things just don't change with this team. Um, so I don't think that has been a factor, to be honest, as much. But I'm sure we would have won maybe one or two more games had Isaac been healthy. Augustine never went down. Uh, but I don't think it's a make or break uh, to our team so far. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go against that because I, I think with Isaac, for example, being injured um, and MCW being injured and DJ being injured and Aaron Gordon and Vooch also having injuries, it kind of forced Markel to break out of his shell a little bit, right? It forced him to play longer minutes. It for, forced him to take on a, a leadership role on the team where he, he might have not necessarily have had to if those guys would have been healthy the whole, the whole time around. Um, so I think it benefited his development and possibly sped up his development. Uh, because again, if those guys were healthy, I think we would have kept Markel on a crutch. He would have continued to play 20 minutes a game or split 22 minutes a game with, with DJ. Uh, so I, I think that while it did hurt us to have those guys injured, I think there was some type of benefit to it. I mean, if you I really, think, if you really think about if, yeah, I'm so sorry. If you really think about it, like last season, um, we didn't go through any injuries. Hardly any. So the fact that, you know, we, we're kind of going through the bug right now, it's, I guess it kind of is, it's the NBA's way of evening us out, balancing it. Basketball gods, balancing everything out. I think it comes down to roster construction. I mean, what was our weakness last year? Three-point shooting. What's our weakness this year? Three-point shooting. Who do we pick up to answer any of those questions? Alfaruk Aminu. Alfaruk and Mark Helfoltz. That's who we relied on. A guy who couldn't shoot for two years and Alfaruk Aminu, whose production has been dropping over time. We didn't see that injury coming, but still, like, did we answer any of those questions? And I think um, hopefully those questions are answered closer to the trade deadline. But um, what has been the biggest surprise in the first half of the season? Mark Helfoltz. Yeah, I think anything other than Markel is is a lie. Markel has been – this guy went from not playing to being traded to this team to sitting out for 10, 11 months, having every single person who had anything to do with the NBA questioning whether his mental capacity was fit enough to even play a professional sport and to come back and earn a starting job and not only just earn it but be an assist leader – you know, and a double-digit point producer for us, there's no way you can say that that's not the biggest surprise of the year. 100%. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, a little bit different. So, obviously, Markel Fultz, I think, is, is the obvious answer. Uh, for me, it's just staying in the playoff picture. Um, if you would have told me back in September or October, hey, the Magic are going to lose MCW, Isaac, Aminu, and Augustine for a, a significant portion of the season – but yeah, they're going to be about 500 and they're going to be the seventh seed in the East. I would have laughed at you and said, there's no way, you know, unless we traded for an all-star, that's not going to happen. So just the fact that we stayed in the playoff picture to me has been impressive and, and something that has surprised me. Um, and I'm going to give Justin some credit. His boy, uh, Evan Fournier, uh, I think he's struggled, Mike, to say the least, he struggled last year. He stepped up this year, especially when Vooch went out. Uh, he really became a player that we counted on to, to score the ball and to, to really rely on to win games for us um so he stepped up uh the issue as we've discussed in other episodes is 
what do we do with him now? But up, up to this point in the season, really gets me on surprise. But the thing is, the, the thing that I struggle with is, yes, we're the seventh seed, <clears throat> but we're three games under 500. I mean, like that, I think that, that goes more to prove that the conference as a whole, other than like the top three, four teams, is, is weak, right? Because for you to be three games under 500 and still be solid, like solidly holding a playoff spot, means that a third of that the entire conference is is non-competitive. So but I, I think I if, don't you know. the, if you look at the West also, the West is actually kind of the same thing. Uh, the, the bottom two teams, seven and eight seed, are about 500. So I think it's just a more balanced NBA. You know, we don't have the Warriors as the one dominant team and everyone else kind of sucking. <laughs> it's every team now actually is a decent team. And every any given night, you can win or lose a game. Um, so I think it's different this season than years past. I'm looking at the standings, and the top six teams in the East are all uh, winning. They all have uh, above 500 records with the fifth and sixth place teams, which are the Pacers and 76ers. They're both 29 wins. One has 14 losses. The other one has 16. Um, one has 16 losses. The other one has 17 losses. Like, they're getting wins. These are really good teams this year. The East is, I think, more competitive on the top half. But the bottom half of the league, of the East, that's terrible. The biggest surprise, and granted, you guys all brought up really good points. Evan Fournier stepping up the way that he stepped up. Markel Fultz, the obvious. But Jonathan Isaac, like I, I knew he was good defensively. Last season, he was really good defensively. But we're talking about he was in you know, all-defensive, all-defense all, all team conversation like you couldn't have a conversation about all NBA defense without incorporating Jonathan Isaac and I think that he has just propelled this team um, so much because of the way that you know he carries the anchor for us defensively that I think that I I wasn't expecting that this season I was expecting maybe a couple more but the fact that he's there and he's been able to play at that level now mind you I feel like the injury kind of you know, held him back a little bit, but we were, we were sitting here having a conversation of, you know, is it, is it Anthony Davis defensive player of the year? Jonathan Isaac, should Jonathan Isaac even be mentioned? The fact that the conversation sparked, I think is a massive deal, not only for Jonathan Isaac, but for the team. I got one. I got something that might be a hot take. The decline of our all-star no longer being an all-star in the East. This time last year, Vooch, Vooch was getting votes. He was getting fan votes, and there was talks of him already being one of the top centers in the league. He's no longer in that conversation. In a week, East. Yeah, and I don't think anyone saw that coming. I mean, coming into this, I thought Vooch was going to be a two-time All-Star. It's going to be. Do you, but do you, do you attribute the fact that he was gone for two and a half weeks to that? Because, I mean, even with being gone two and a half weeks, he's still averaging, what, 19 points per game? Um, he's still producing double digit rebounds. He's still producing, but does it look good? Yeah. Does it look like last, last year? year? Last year he was what? He got voted into All-Star putting up like 20.7 points per game and 12 rebounds per game. This year he's averaging 19 and 11. So it's yeah, like it's not, it's not too different, but you're right. It doesn't it he's There's an eye his test. A, his average is there, right? It's close, but it just looks really ugly. <laughs> and three-pointing and three-point shooting uh his stats you know he's contributing he's doing work but you're right it doesn't look pretty so are we 100 percent saying vooch doesn't make doesn't uh get a reserve spot for the all-star game 
I don't see it. Unless someone gets hurt. I think if one guy makes it in our team, it'll be Evan Fournier. Just because I feel like he's played the best this season out of all players in I'm our roster. You. Um, Vooch, I think it's a more popular name amongst all-stars in our team, if you want to call it that. But again, deservingly so, Evan Fournier will be the guy for me. Mm, so I, I was that. listening. I was listening to the uh, Ringer podcast, and if some people don't like that, Bill Simmons, and they did their picks for all stars in the East, and it came down to two players that they don't think deserve it at all. One is Trey Young, the other one is Bradley Beal. They're both on losing teams, non-playoff contending teams. There's gonna be a lot of people who think, listen, you know, the fan vote, people are gonna vote who they want, but the coaches and players vote. Those things matter. You can be the best player on the worst team, but guess what? You're not winning. At the end of the day, these player, these coaches and players care about winning. But but Trey Young was just named a, a starter, so Bill God. Simmons is wrong. <laughs> God, he was wrong. But they all voted him in. They all picked him in. Uh-huh. But like, yeah, I want Trey Young to be in. But if there's not going to be anyone on our team right now, for you, got to be it, man. Yeah. I mean, you can't deny players like Trey Young and Bradley Beal. They've been balling out. And every time we played it against the Wizards um, and the Hawks, they completely torched us. So I, I definitely see I completely disagree with Bill Simmons. Um, but if he wants to throw Evan Fournier in there and Nikola Vucevic, by all means, I'll take the free marketing. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I've, I've read a couple articles myself where um, Nikola Vucevic, they, they mentioned his name in honorable mention. They'll throw out you know, 20, 20 players that they feel should be in there. And, and Nikola Vucevic is definitely in the conversation. But I think that's more so because he was in there last season more so than what mm-hmm. he's been able to do this season. That's true. He's more of a recognized name now. Um, is there anything this midway through that has disappointed you? Uh, yes. Uh, there's a guy out there named Aaron Gordon. Oh, man, I'm a mind reader. Um, who, uh, unfortunately, I'm not even going to go on the offensive side and say, you know, this guy was supposed to average 20 points a game, blah, blah, blah. I've never believed that's his role in our team. But I did not expect the following. 13.4 points a game, 7.2 rebounds, 29% for the three-point range. Those are all the worst. Actually, he got worse in all those categories from last season. So if you would have told me that, back in July, August, when he was posting videos on IG, working out with Kobe and all this stuff, I would have told you, it's impossible. This guy's going to get better from last year. It just, he just has to. Um, so unfortunately for me, Aaron Gordon has been the biggest disappointment uh, halfway through. Training with Kobe messed him up. It did. Yeah. <laughs> it did. For, for me, and you guys could probably guess where this is going to go, uh, but for me, it's Mo Bamba. Uh, Mo Bamba... You know, he was supposed to be that guy. Like we we spoke about, he was supposed to be the guy that everyone felt comfortable letting Vooch walk last year. We even conceded that. We said this is a this is a real conversation we're gonna have. Let's let Vooch walk, and we'll hand the keys over to Mo Bamba. Uh, so far this season, averaging five point two points, uh, one turnover per game, one point four blocks per game, zero point four steals, and point seven assists. Um. His total and and what five rebounds? So he's a five and five guy right now. I don't I don't think if anybody sat if anybody you know was to sit here and say that this is what we expected from Obama year two. You know, granted he did have in, injuries his first season, but Vooch went down this year. He had 
splits with with Ken Birch. He had opportunities to really, you know, take the job away from Vooch and 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 help the team feel more comfortable with letting Vooch walk or trading him away this year, and that has not happened. So Mo Bamba to me is the biggest disappointment. Agreed. Both of those two. I mean, this was Aaron's year to stand out. I thought I really thought this was gonna be AG's year to make a name for himself instead of Isaac. I thought Isaac's year would be next year. Right. But you know what? That's that is what it is. And honestly, I just thought about this. Can we blame Mo for Jonathan Isaac's injury, making the coaching staff play <laughs> Jonathan Isaac in the post and get beat up? Like Yes, it is all Mo's fault. <laughs> Almost fault. Come on, Mo. Shame on you, Shame on you Mo. <laughs> uh, you guys all bring up really good points. Aaron Gordon, to me, I, I agree with you, at least. He, this was supposed to be his season. Um, I felt this offseason that he was going to be slam dunk champion and he was going to be um, an all-star this season. Um, and not just us, like in the media's eyes, this mm-hmm. was supposed to be his sure. year also. And we, we haven't seen it. Um, Mo Bamba, we haven't seen any real development from him. Not anything, not one category that he's done better at from last season. Zero improvements in my eyes. In my eyes, he's definitely digressed. Um, but the one player that I can say that's just a little outside that none of you mentioned that I've been disappointed with is DJ Augustine. I told myself this offseason that our bench was going to be ridiculous because I felt so confident with DJ Augustine as our starting point guard that all I, all I asked for was if we can get Mark Hill to play and if he can be just a little bit better than DJ Augustine to have DJ at inside of our second unit and lead that team, then our bench is going to be crazy. Like we're going to have the best bench in the league. We're going to be deep. We're going to be able you know, to score more off the bench because of his ability to, to, to shoot shots and, and hit big shots and get other teammates involved. And I just feel like we haven't seen that. I feel our bench is still – Struggle, struggle a lot. It's it's Terrence Ross against the world. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> if it, That's what if it feels not, like. If it's not for Terrence Ross, then you know the the offense is you know it's not good off the bench. You're starting to see a little bit of a resurgence from you know Wesley Awandu, but he's in the mm-hmm. starting lineup. We never really saw that in the second unit. So I, I just felt like DJ Augustine would have made you know the player the second unit that much better, and I I don't feel that, that was the case. Now, let me ask you guys this. I know we, we talked about Bamba already, but if you guys look at the minutes per game, he's averaging 15.3 minutes per game. Are you guys disappointed at all that we're not throwing him out there a little more, especially with Isaac being hurt? We talked about it on our last episode. Justin brought up a good point. Playing him at the power forward position a little bit more since, again, we, we need a body out there. What do you guys think about that? 15 minutes per game for a guy that was a sixth pick in the draft who – by all we know, is healthy. Um, what do you feel about that? I think we're stuck in like a between a, a rock and a hard place, like they say, because yes, where he was drafted should allot him more minutes, right? He should be playing twenty plus minutes per game, right? But we also had the All Star in Vooch, so you don't want to kind of take too many minutes away from him either. Uh, but it's also that every time we play Mo Bamba, while he may have you know, 10, 12, 15-point games. He's such a liability on defense. His low post defense is terrible. Like, his awareness is bad. His his frame is too small, right? His effort is still in question. And he just makes the, the wrong play every time. So it's like, 
I don't know, man. I, I've I've tried to give, and I don't want to be too hard on Mo, but I wasn't high on Mo even when we drafted him. And I've I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt every time, but now he's he's going into year three, right? After this year's year three, there's no signs that I've seen other than two or three hot shooting nights. There's no signs that he's going to be, you know, a, a, a starting caliber center in this league. So it's it to me, it's kind of jarring for Mo. Because he came from the University of Texas, who was known for having big men. I'm talking about they're dominant big men. They can run the floor. They do everything. They're super aggressive. I think the thing that's hurting Mo, he's not aggressive enough. Mm-mm. He just He's a nice guy. He's a very he, nice guy. And he's from Harlem. Which I don't <laughs> understand. He's a nice guy from, from Harlem. Come on, man. Let's bring some dog out, some, some, uh, some dog out. You know, you're from the concrete jungle. Let me see it. I don't even think he talks trash during the games. I don't I mean, think I don't he's think just, he's in the game long enough to talk trash. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he's just trying to think. <laughs> now, I mean, obviously, 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 the bright spot um, uh, of the team has been Markel Fultz. What do you think? What do you guys think about his progress and what he's been able to do this past? Um, this so, season? so just to, and I'm going to address Fultz now, but just to go back really quick on um, Mo. Um, I also wonder, like, it's the reason why he's shooting threes at such a high rate is because he doesn't have the skill set to get in the paint. Yeah. So he just he I mean, settles, and he's had to develop that shot because he can't, he can't get it, you know, any other way. Does um, anybody know how long his wingspan is? Uh, well, above he, seven he foot five, right? It's, it's seven, seven, foot, seven foot ten, and he held that record for a whole one season. <laughs> so uh, the reason why I bring that up is I'm tired of seeing smaller guards front this man and block push him, him block him, <laughs> tip the ball, tip the pass. I'm just sick and tired of it. Like, Mo, jump. Put your <laughs> arms out. Let's get a hook. Like, let's figure it out. Someone get a hold of um, Elijah Wan. We need to go see him this summer immediately. He needs to be in Houston yeah, this summer. I, I agree. But, um, Ant, what was the question on Fultz? <laughs> that Mark Markel Fultz, he's definitely been the bright spot for the team. So, what what do you guys think about him? Obviously, he exceeded everyone's expectations, but um, for for me personally, I remember in the beginning of the season, he wasn't. The media was still unsure about Markel Fultz. They nobody was expecting for him to play. The latest or in the before the our first game, the latest news was you know John Hammond really couldn't give an update on Markel Fultz. Obviously, they they were staying they were keeping that information close to chest, and they really didn't want to put a timeline or put any pressure. But I mean, we were kind of ridiculed in the media because it's kind of like yo, what what is the Orlando Magic front office doing? Like they don't even know what's going on with Markel Fultz. And then out of nowhere, it's kind of like Markel Fultz is playing in the preseason. Then Markel Fultz is. You know, he's he's not playing that much, but he had really good spurts. And then he jumps into the starting lineup. Then he scores over 20 points. Then he has the triple-double. He's scoring on LeBron. So his ex, his his whole entire midseason went from nothing to everything. I, th- I think oh, – go ahead, man. I was going to say, I think it's impressive. I mean, uh, if you think about where he came from, I mean, what we traded for him. We didn't know what we had in him. We just acquired point guard. We, we're looking ahead to the future. All we knew is last time we saw him on the court, he couldn't shoot the ball. 
he couldn't stay on the court because of that. He couldn't shoot a free throw because he couldn't raise his shoulder. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, six months passed by, and this kid is now starting at 21 years old, which is technically his rookie season. Mm-hmm. And now he's averaging, averaging 12 points a game. He's actually shooting 46% from the field. He couldn't shoot a three last year. Well, wait, he's shooting 26%, 35% in the last 12 games. 74% from the free throw line. So if you would have told me that, again, six months ago, I, I'll say the same thing again. I wouldn't believe you. Um, so to me personally, this kid has exceeded every expectation. He's made me want to go to games. He's made me want to tune into games, even when I know we're going to lose a game, just because I go with the Lakers. He'll do something special. Um, so I think the fans in Orlando have embraced him. We are all thankful to Philly. And again, I'll say it again. Thank you, Philly, for, for <laughs> doubting him. Because, again, we got a kid that, in my opinion, can be special as soon as next year. I think what's cool about him is his shot difficulty in the paint. His, um, mock, his pre-mock uh, comparisons were oddly Westbrook and James Harden because of his creativity with the ball and his ability to get to the rim. I thought that was very far-fetched because in college he's playing in the Pac-12. I mean, they're pretty good, but it's not like the ACC – but now I kind of see it. Now I'm wondering, what is his actual year three, which is going to be year six, going to be? What yeah. is it going to be when the game slows down from tremendously? Because he's super herky-jerky, super creative. When he actually gets more and more confidence in a three-point shot, it's probably scary. He's strong with the basketball. Like, so, yeah. When he takes a ball, yeah, when he takes a ball and he's penetrating, like, you can expect the contact, and he can still score off of that contact. So his his strength and his body size, you're you're right. He's a little he's a little quirky in the lane. He's able to get through different angles, stuff like I've never seen before. But the fact that he has the size to go along with it is super impressive. So that's what I was gonna say, right? So, like I said, coming into to a team, joining the starting lineup, you know, from not playing at all, um, and coming from the situation that he was in Philly. The, the two things I would say impressed me the most is his strength. Uh, like you said, you know, you could try to alter the shots and he's going to alter with you and those are still going to go in. Uh, that's impressive. But his confidence, his confidence is really impressive to me because, you know, from someone who, who was consistently being spoken about in a negative way, you know, to, to not let any of that bother you to the point where you're confident in your own skill and your own ability to come out and, you know, kind of silence the haters, if you will. I think that's special. I think that's a trait that, you know, not a lot of people have. Like the, the I remember Beats used to have a campaign where like it would be athletes or whatever on buses showing up to arenas and like people would be throwing stuff at the bus and everything. And it'd be super crazy. And then they would put that the, the, the Beats on and they would kind of like silence everybody. That's like what Markel has going on. No Beats required, but he just silences the haters. <laughs> And Justin, you're you're gonna like this. So on on Magic Reddit, they just posted this. <laughs> Dan Feldman of NBC Sports, a writer for NBC Sports, um, he reported that Evan Fournier received a media vote for the All Star game. <laughs> just one, but he got one. That's an improvement from last season where he got none. So we went from zero to one. Did he get? You know, any- I really think. I really think. I want to know who the writer was. I want to know who votes. I want to know who votes because I that yeah. that guy has a new follower. Justin, I think uh, <laughs> Justin, just just come out and tell us you have a vote, right? 
I think I want to know who voted <laughs> when I when I when I spoke to you guys before and I, you know, and I went through all of uh, all of Evan's stats, and then I asked you who who would you take that's better than him to get two or three more points per game. So Evan is capable. I think I think if we played in a league where it wasn't all about stars and social media following and all of that stuff, and you didn't have to be like cool online and build that sort of superstardom to be able to be selected to a game and it was based on just skill, I think Evan would have had a legitimate chance to be an all-star. But sadly, we are dealing with, you know, Kyrie, who didn't play almost the whole season, gets all, you know, gets into the all-star game and it's questionably, like, people are talking about him becoming a starter. Come on, man. Like, there's a difference between skill and superstardom or stardom and they're not the same thing. Watch Kyrie not even play in the game. He's going to pull for Jimmy Butler from last year and just be like, oh, I don't feel like it. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sick and tired of Kyrie Irving, guys. Just sick and tired of the guy. I think, like, you know what I find very interesting? I think if Evan Fournier was more personable with his fans on social media like he has been um, with training with um, Channing Fry, I think people actually would have voted for him. I think if That's Evan true. played for any other team in playoff contention other than the Orlando Magic, he would have made the All-Star team. I think if Evan Fournier didn't turn over the ball as much as he does in the oh, fourth quarter when we need him to score, <laughs> that he would also get more votes. That <laughs> once again comes back to our current roster construction. We have no shooters. <laughs> Except Evan Fournier, that he's one of the best shooters on the team. But it's okay. We're going to talk about the future. <laughs> one of the best shooters. Wait, wait, wait. Not one of the best shooters on the team. One of the best shooters in the league. If you're oh, shooting, man. if you're shooting forty point nine percent from three point. From three-pointer, you're toward the top of the league in three-point shooting percentage. Just saying. Nah, Do you think he gets the call for the three-point competition then? Because you know T. Ross isn't getting it. I hope so because he's definitely top – I would say top ten three-point shooters in the league, and that's without looking. Yo, it would be interesting to see who's on that list if, if he, Evan's not on it. If he doesn't, I'm sure he would at least get one vote. <laughs> 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 but looking ahead, so we're going to do a quick fire drill. Looking ahead, um, do we make the playoffs? And if so, what seed? Yes, I think we make it. And um, I, I'm 50-50 between the seventh or eighth seed. I like our roster, even without Isaac, better than Brooklyn. So I'm going to say we make it as a seventh seed. I think seventh seed is where we're going to be at. I think I had us maybe in the fifth, but it's looking like sixth. I mean, seventh. Yeah, I, I think seventh is probably the safest bet. Uh, we're, what, eight, nine games away from, from sixth. Um, not saying it's totally impossible. We still have trade deadline to look forward to. But as of right now, as the team is currently constructed, I say seventh seed. What is one change you would like to see? Adding a shooter. Uh, just give me a shooter of the bench. Uh, as we said a few minutes ago, Terrence Ross against everybody, right? That's kind of what the bench is. Give me a small forward. Give me a power forward. Anybody who can make a three-pointer so people cannot just double-team T-Ross the whole time. Um, that would make us significantly better. I think we need a guy who's edgy and who isn't Disney safe. We need somebody other than Michael Carter-Williams being a tough guy. Kelly me. <laughs> like you, you know what I'm saying like we need like if we're not gonna get that shooter can we at least get someone who's a dog like give me someone who brings me that Matt Barnes energy please I like when Matt Barnes was here he made us tough That's I true. agree for me um one change I'd like to see 
I'd like to see there's more than one change, guys. <laughs> I'd like to see <laughs> I'd like to see Cliff allowing guys that are hot to stay on the court. Um That's, yeah. and I would I would like to see either Derek Rose or Kelly Oubre make that make that move down south. <laughs> and, and before we jump into the next the next topic, um I like the move for Derek Rose. Yes. I mentioned this earlier today on Twitter, but Derek Rose for me does two major things. One gives us a really good score to back up Markel Fultz, right? Mm-hmm. And then two, just imagine the amount of impact a former NBA MVP could do as a mentor for a player like number Mark. one pick, number one yep. pick as well. Absolutely. So someone that can really, um, really adapt to him, understand where he's coming from. Uh, has been through the struggles himself, has been doubted before. Definitely a huge resurgence from him since his um, his time with Detroit. So um, I, I really, if he's a player that we can pry away, why not? Why not do it? And and the fact that Markel Fultz will go into practice every single day battling against Derrick Rose. He'll make him better. Just the amount of improvement that he will get from that, the amount of development. Because right now he's going against, no disrespect to DJ, but he's going against DJ Augustine. He's my height. <laughs> I mean, you you put him every day offensively, defensively against Derrick Rose, man, it's only it's only going to push him to the next level. But um, so moving forward with the predictions, who needs to step up the most for the second half of the season? Where do we begin? Where do we begin? Our bench. If we the, make the no whole, roster the whole, the whole bench, if we make if we don't make any roster changes, which it might not, you know, our front office might really, really have faith in the roster that they constructed, which I can't blame them. We have long athletic guys. What is our bench really producing? Can we count on T Ross every night? Can we count on Wes every single night to really come in there and bring all the energy? Can we count on Mo to, you know, get seven rebounds a game if we need it? We can't rely on that. We need a better bench. I don't think it's one guy because that one guy is not going to step up for us. We need a whole team effort, and I think the bench unit has to be able to do it. I agree. I I think the bench is is one. Um, I think holding – people accountable has to be one of the biggest changes. I feel like I feel like these guys and not all of them and not in every circumstance obviously. Um but they're they're too okay with losing. Um I need to see more passion, I need to see anger. Like if you're if you're indifferent toward whether you win or lose a game, you're not going to win. The guys the guys that care the guys that lose a game and it's a big deal to them and people are like, oh, don't overreact. You know, those are the guys that are successful. The guys mm-hmm. that lose a game, it's like, oh, we'll get them tomorrow. And you keep saying we'll get them tomorrow. Well, tomorrow it'll be too late. You won't be in the playoffs or you won't. You know what I'm saying? Like for you to be for you to be a top level guy and lead your team to success, you have to treat winning and losing as if it's a life or death situation, in my opinion. Mine's, mine's going to be easy. Mine's just going to be Aaron Gordon. Um, I know we have Jonathan Isaac uh, out at least at least until the playoffs. That's going to be known now. 
Um, so Gordon can kind of go back and play the power forward spot. If he can just be consistent in two things, rebounding the ball and moving the ball on offense, I think that will make us, again, significantly better. I just don't want to see him, you know, over dribble, step backs, behind the back dribbles. Just keep it simple. If you're open, shoot the ball. If you have a lane to the basket, go and dunk it and fight on the rebounding, um, on the defensive end for rebounds. If he can do that, again, he becomes that dream on green that we keep saying that he can be for our team. Yep. That's all we need him to be. That's all we need from him. So believe it or not, the player that I think that needs to take the next step is Markel Fultz. But hear me out. This is why. Um, I think that in order for this team to take it to the next level, Markel Fultz needs to do the same thing. I've always been a strong believer that all it takes is one player to change a franchise. And I, I feel strongly that it can be Markel Fultz, but it can't happen unless he takes that next step a lot sooner rather than later. So, Do you think halfway into this, it's already Markel's team? No, no, not not yet. I, because I, I still feel like everything is running through. When I say it's not his team yet, the the uh, Steve Clifford has to make that point. And the offense is still running through. Nikola Vucevic is still running through. Evan Fournier. Not until they decide to put the ball in Markel Fultz's hand to score can it really be his team. And so think, is that Markel or Steve? I think that's more Coach Cliff, 100%. I think Markel has all the right tools to be able to do that. Um, I would feel confident in giving him the ball now, just being able to see him um, do that against a team like the Lakers on the biggest stage away and, and kind of take the game in his hands the way that he did and really ball out. I, he can definitely do it. Can he do it consistently? That's yet to see, but – um, I, I think that a player that can drastically change this team and make us better faster would definitely be Markel. He just has to be the one that takes the next step to Myers. So I, I think it goes on both guys. Then it goes on Markel. It also goes on Clifford. On Markel, only because there's games where he shoots the ball 13, 15 times, and we see what happens. He scores 24, 25 points. He looks great. But there's nights like last night where he will take – seven shots the whole game. So I think that falls on the coach. You know, the play calling has to be there for him. Um, but I can agree with you. We need the ball in his hands a lot more in the second half of the season because he's proven already. He can be a difference maker. He can win you a game when you have to score it on the stretch or make the significant play. Um, we just need both, both parties to be in agreement. We need Markel to be aggressive and we need the calls to be played for him as well. I think it's going to be safe to say, other than maybe Vucevic, I think the entire team wants Markel to have the ball in their hands because I think they want to run. We have athletes, and they all look good on the floor. I mean, let's go back to the Lakers game. AG, head down. He was in attack mode, and that a lot of that had to do with Markel having the ball in his hands. So uh, definitely a lot of good stuff. You know, midseason review, There again, we said in the beginning of the episode, a lot of good, a lot of bad, and a lot of in between. And I feel we definitely highlighted um, – all of the above, but uh, what, let me let me get your final thoughts on what you guys think about you know the the rest of the season. So for the rest of the season, I think we'll definitely make the playoffs. Um, I think there would have to be a severe meltdown for us to miss miss the playoffs, um, or one of the bottom Eastern teams have to pick up somebody and just go on a crazy run. Uh, but I think it's safe to say we'll make the playoffs. Um, if we make the playoffs this year and it's another first round exit, do you still, you know, are you still content with making the playoffs next year or does it come to a point where it's like 
you know, you got to do something else. You can't just go in and get swept or lose in five games in the first round. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for what the future of the Magic hold. I'm excited for the next two weeks uh, to see if, if uh, John and Jeff decide to splash a little bit. I really am hoping that the Magic hold on to that seventh place seed because if the playoffs started today, we play the Heat first round. Ooh, and nice. honestly, I think we look good because Jimmy Butler is shooting the worst – this is the worst sh- shooting he's had in his entire career. He's shooting like 26% from three-point line. And that's their go-to playmaker. So we need to hold on to the seventh seed for dear life. Because right now we will play the Heat and I'm ready. In yeah, state I w- rivalry, I'm I ready. Mind, I wouldn't mind playing uh, definitely against uh, the Heat or even Philly. Philly, um, oh. I do not want to see Milwaukee in the first round. Right. No. no. But if you get me Miami and you get me uh, Philly for sure, first round, I, I like our odds, 100%. We'll definitely see I think all Magic fans should – we need to be cheering for the Heat to hold on a second because the Raptors are in third, and we know how that went last year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to see Toronto with or without Kawhi. We we struggle with them all season long, but get me Miami. I mean, and not having our Jonathan for a Siakam right now, like ugh. that's right. I mean, for me to to kind of wrap it up on my on my thoughts here, um, I would say just keep fighting, uh, keep playing hard. In that aspect, we're looking like last year's team. Every game's coming down to the wire. No matter who we're playing, we're playing tough and playing aggressive. Um, that's, I think, all we need to mm-hmm. the success of our team. We are a grit and grind team because all we do is play defense. So my expectation of the team the second half of the year is just keep, keep battling, keep fighting, keep showing up to games with the mindset that we can win, and just go out there and play hard. Um, in a perfect world, we add a shooter to this dynamic of our team. But again, we won't talk trade. That we don't know what's going to happen with that yet. Um, so for me, just keep fighting. Uh, believe it or not, I'm expecting for this front office to be way more aggressive than past years in this NBA trade deadline. I think so. so I, I don't. I don't know how aggressive. I don't know if it's going to be big. I don't know if it's going to be small. I just believe that something is going to happen. Don't know what, but that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm expecting. So NBA trade deadline is is close, Two right weeks. around the corner. So um, that that's going to be exciting to see. We could have a different team, different dynamic for sure. Could we see Oki? What's that? Could we see Oki? Like, could we see him at all? Possibly. Oki, I doubt it. Okiki. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I doubt it. I'm I'm hoping to hear some type of update. The last update that we've gotten from him was uh, his photo shoot with Lakeland. But that's that's most that we got. So, um, and then we got some news today that uh, Justin, we're gonna have a an article coming out soon on the Zone BB an update with Okiki. So we'll definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, other than that, really good episode, guys. Not bad for a mid-season special. Um, and that's a wrap for us. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com. And remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.